0: Nine one one. What are you reporting?
1: Ah, uh, this is Operator Twenty Three with Allied Fire and Security. I've got a silent hold up. Okay. What is the address? 361-7-7-9. Three six one seven two nine. I believe we
2: have the.
0: In our last episode, we left Tony in quite a moment, as precarious as a moment can be, stuck at a red light, having just robbed a bank, watching a cop car across the intersection. It was almost certainly the longest traffic light of Tony's life. He was scared to death.
2: And I'm waiting for him to, you know, the lights to come on or something, and all of a sudden I get a green light and merged right down onto the
0: freeway, and and then I was pretty happy. (laughs) Then Tony was back on Highway 99, heading south this time, every second giving him more distance from the trouble. Once the anxiety of that near-miss passed, Tony felt a different sensation. Huge adrenaline rush. And the first thing
2: you're doing is calling the dope dealer. (laughs) When can we meet?
0: This is Hooked, an Apple original podcast produced by Campside Media. And I'm Josh Dean.
2: As long as I had my heroin, then I was then for me that's when I was clear-minded.
0: Part six. Robbery Addict. If the first robbery with Connor was a disaster, the second one, with Tony flying solo, was essentially perfect. I mean, he wasn't about to retire on twenty five hundred bucks, but it was enough money to stock up on a bit of heroin. Pay a few bills and get his mom some decent takeout.
2: Once I got away, and I was like, "Oh my god, that was—it was easier than I expected it to be." I think I, I wouldn't say I never got nervous, but it just got easier and easier. After that, he
0: went on a roll. Radio with a bank robbery.
1: Suspect described as a white male, five five to six, both with brown hair, medium build. Silent.
3: Hold up, warm at a bank. Yeah, it looks like they have been robbed.
1: He just said, get your money out now, now, now. He had a gray hooded sweatshirt on, a Navy mask, like eye holes in it. It was like, almost kind of looked like he cut the holes out himself. The doors are locked. I think he's still right. pulled up. have yeah, the doors are locked. Okay,
3: we have, again, we have okay, officers in Sorry, this
1: is my first time. No, 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 I'm, I'm new. You're okay.
3: You're okay.
1: You did great.
0: He hit three different branches of Whidbey Island Bank in a six-week stretch. 2100 to Mill Creek. 2800 in Everett, and 1100 in Bothell. Tony was four for four. So even though he was just getting started, he must have been feeling a bit cocky because he got careless and decided to rob a bank he hadn't even bothered to case, or even really consider. I was trying to rob a different bank, but I, it just wasn't happening. It was never empty. He just couldn't find a time when the bank wasn't filled with customers. And as always, the clock was ticking. So I left.
2: And I ended up coming down Evermall way and I saw this Bank of America and I had borrowed somebody's car that I had agreed to pay them some money
0: <laughs> when I returned it. Remember how in the last episode, Tony stole a blue Ford truck and used it in his first robbery? He used it a few more times. But then...
2: One day I went out there, you know, I had got all my stuff together. I got my backpack. I walked four or five blocks over to where I was parking the truck and it was gone. <laughs> The police had impounded
0: it. So Tony had to come up with a new strategy for getaway
2: vehicles. You know, it was easy to find someone to, that would let me borrow their car for a few hours if I give them 100 bucks or, a, you know, promise to give them a little sack
0: of heroin when I'm done. Boy, there's plenty of people out there that'll do that. <laughs> but the borrowed getaway cars added to the stress of getting the job done. He'd made promises. So that was one of the pressures bearing down on him as he scouted a location for his fifth robbery in April of 2013.
2: And of course, I was out of dope, so I just, uh, this was one of the big mistakes I made. I mean, I have no idea how I got away with this.
0: Yeah, Tony's fifth job was a bit of a mess. For starters, this bank was located directly across from a police station. So the first thing that happened when I walked in is
2: I noticed, one, there's a bunch of customers in the bank.
0: Which is against Tony's self-imposed rules. But at this point, he's already wearing his mask. It's on.
2: Once I opened the door, I was committed to it. There's there's at least 10 or 12 customers in there. And then I realized they have security glass in front of all the
0: tellers. Barely through the door, and already two strikes against him. Crowds and barriers. I kind of pushed the... Customer
2: out of the way that was already at the because there's like a line of people, right? So, why didn't you just like I'm not standing in line with the fucking mask on, right? Like, I gotta. (laughs) So, I I go up there and I kind of push him
0: aside, him being the guy between Tony and the teller,
2: and uh, you know, and I'm yelling at her, open the door, you know, 20s, 50s, and hundreds, and she literally just laughed at me. I kid you not, she's like, no. Like, I don't have a gun. I mean, I, if I had a gun, I'm pretty sure I would have got some money.
0: But he was just an unarmed guy with a beanie pulled down over his face, yelling at a lady behind security glass to hand him a bunch of money for free.
2: She's just sitting there laughing at me. and I, I What'd you do? I
0: ran. <laughs> I ran out. <laughs> Tony had taken a risk by hitting a bank across from a police station. But when he ran out, it wasn't the cops who spotted him. As I'm coming around the sidewalk
2: here, there's a guy parked right over against that curb over there in a van that's backed in there. So he sees me come out with the mask on and and then starts following me across. As I'm coming down the sidewalk here, he's driving this way, right alongside me. It really just wasn't Tony's day. He follows me all the way down across the parking lot. Then I start running. This is probably one of the few times I ran.
0: So Tony's on foot, flying across the parking lot while this pursuer is tracking him in a van. Which, lucky for Tony, because when he hopped a curb and slipped through some trees, the guy couldn't follow.
2: This was a disaster. I mean, this honestly should have been the end of it. Of course, this wasn't the end of it. Not even close. I just kept going. You know, there's an adrenaline rush that's unbelievable when you you rob a bank. I think eventually I just became addicted to that because it was... I just think I have an addictive personality. I mean, I got addicted to robbing banks. <laughs> I mean, who the fuck does that?
0: Right.
1: <laughs>
2: I mean, come on, man.
0: <laughs> if it were me, coming this close to getting caught might make me think twice about committing another robbery. I'd probably take it as a warning, a red flag. Not Tony. I'm sure a day or two later, I went and found another bank to rob. Actually, it was four days later. He hit a bank in Shoreline, Washington, and got $1,600. For all of 2013, bank robbery was pretty much Tony's job. He'd do a gig, spend the money, and be white-knuckling until the next payday, which in this case required a bank robbery. Tony developed almost a compulsion for this. A few months into it, Tony got a rare bit of good news. Connor was released from jail. He'd served almost 20 months, and now he was out, ready for a fresh start. He wanted to put his life back together. And then his dad told him what he'd been up to. We were sitting out on the front porch talking about,
2: you know, what was going on. And um, I can't remember how soon I told him that I had been out uh, robbing banks. I was like,
1: you what, you motherfucker, oh my God. I just sat in prison and fucking did this time for you to get out and get your job, and you start robbing banks again. I was like, oh, fuck no, yeah, I was pissed. But then he gave me some money, so I guess I was, it kind of made it a little better, but I was still pissed. Until, I mean, until I realized he started doing them all the time and he was just getting away with it. I'm just like, fuck you, this guy.
2: Yeah, he was not happy, you know, I just, yeah, I let him know, I mean, I'm fucked up, I'm still struggling, I just, having a hard time getting out from underneath this addiction and he was definitely not in favor of it and, you know, tried to encourage me to, to stop, you know, he's like, I remember him saying, you're going to get caught dad, you're going to end up getting caught. And of course I thought, "Yeah, it's not looking that way to me. <laughs> I mean, I was, uh, extremely deluded from my addiction, so I'm not making rational decisions at all, but, uh,
0: Hey, Tony felt like he had no choice, no other way to keep up with his addiction. Plus, as any good gambler would tell you, you don't stop when you're on a roll. So that's when he started honing tactics and disguises. As I mentioned before, one of Tony's first experiments was a t-shirt with the sleeves cut off. He'd wear it like a giant bib with eye holes cut into it. Then when I get the door open, I would pull this thing out from inside my dress shirt and flip it back up over my head. Perhaps you're imagining the big flaw in his design here. He'd have to get very lucky for the eye holes to match up perfectly with his eyes, especially under pressure.
2: There was a couple times I went in and I flip it up and I'm sitting there fucking around with it trying to get trying to find some eye holes so I can see what I'm doing. And I'm like spinning in circles trying to get this damn thing straightened out. I kinda did a little dance in the middle of the bank trying to get the holes lined up
0: on my face. It was yeah. I still I mean I, I got it done. This t shirt bib thing, it looked ridiculous, but it worked. In fact, it worked so well that he started making a name for himself.
3: Seattle police are on the lookout this morning for a man they are calling the Elephant Man Bandit. Take a look at this surveillance video.
0: That year in the state of Washington, there were 159 bank robberies, and Tony accounted for about 15% of those. Eventually, I had to change because I had robbed so many banks and so I changed my whole outfit because I didn't want them to think it was the same person. This is when Tony started switching up the masks, and his simple costume change fooled everybody. The local Crime Stoppers show, Washington's Most Wanted, even opened with a segment on him. You heard a little bit of this back in episode one.
3: Take a look at this surveillance video. The
0: FBI's Seattle Safe Streets Task Force needs your help identifying this serial bank robber. They've dubbed him the Cyborg Bandit. The Cyborg Bandit. That was the name they gave Tony when he wore the beanie, the one he pulled down over his face. Nobody had the imagination, at least not yet, to guess that these two bandits were actually just one guy. And it wasn't just the news outlets that were fooled. The police had it figured the same way.
3: And, you know, even at that point, I don't think I even thought they were connected. This is Steve Hoover again, former detective
0: with the Bellevue Police Department.
3: The subject was just using the T-shirt with the holes poked in him. They were calling that person the Elephant Man, and we eventually named... uh... The one with the mesh mask is um, Cyborg Bandit. Wait, how does that process work? Like, who picks those names? Uh, the FBI has a uh, uh, public relations officer, and anytime time we have a, uh, a series, she would call whatever detective is working that series and goes, what do you want to call him? And a lot of times we'd go, well, I don't know, and she would come up with a name. But on this one specifically, the uh, media relations officer had called both of us asking us about it, and Mike
0: Mike Mellis one of the detectives you heard interrogating Tony after he was arrested back in episode 1
3: he because it was this kind of it looked like a cloth mask but it had a it was silver and it almost looked metallic and it, what mike told me is that he was trying to remember the name of the the evil robots in the old 1970s battlestar galactica the cylons one ship destroyed but he couldn't remember the, the name Cylon and blurted out Cyborg. <laughs> yeah, and it stuck.
2: I don't know what, where they came up with that. I mean, it was just
0: a beanie. It was there was nothing to it, you know, it wasn't anything special. It was just a beanie. It may have been just a beanie, but it certainly caught everyone's attention. Here's more from that Washington's Most Wanted clip. Take a look at the Cylons from Battlestar Galactica. That's one of my favorites. You can see
2: why they nicknamed him the Cyborg Bandit. Just like in that show, this guy is a villain, too.
0: The host, David Rose, had Tony figured out pretty well.
2: He always moves fast, and he seems pretty jumpy. Now, this is just me talking, not the cops, but years of working on cases with detectives like this tells me he's probably in his 20s, doesn't have a job, and, in fact, he may have a gambling problem or is addicted to painkillers. Not bad. He's in the ballpark. So if you know somebody like that, who doesn't have money one day, but then
0: does the next, or has a mask like that in his room or hidden somewhere, call the hotline and give them his name. Then Tony switched to a new design, and this was his favorite. It's the one that he could wear like a headband under his hoodie until he needed it.
2: This is cut from the sleeve of a Seattle Mariners t-shirt. I think you can see some of the colors in there right here. Yeah, so it's just a sleeve. I just cut the sleeve off the t-shirt and then put a couple holes in it.
0: Picture, like, the world's jankiest superhero mask.
2: This worked like a champ every time.
0: I cut up a lot of t-shirts. Once Tony hit his stride, his runs into and out of banks were pretty seamless. He rarely even needed the 45 seconds he trained for on his mom's microwave. Probably
2: less than 30 seconds on most of them except for the ones that want to argue and, and drag it out a little bit.
0: I had a couple cases where I, I had some bank towers that were resistant. A few times when he sensed some hesitation or resistance, Tony would use his index finger in his pocket to mimic the barrel of a gun.
2: Yeah, I did that. I definitely did that a couple times. And then jump up on the counter. I realized if I just run in and jump up on
0: the counter, things get done a lot quicker. Because then they know for sure you're not fucking around. Often, especially in those cases, Tony wasn't even waiting for the teller to hand him cash.
2: Usually, I would just reach in and take the money myself if I'm at that point where I had to jump up on the counter. And, uh, and then I'm quickly going through the money right there on the spot. I'm checking for GPS trackers.
0: Money from a drawer, maybe two. That's all Tony could hope for. It's all he had time for. But he did decide one time to take a wingman, a friend from the heroin underground. So um, the idea was
2: if I bring somebody in with me, he can kind of watch the door and I'm gonna go not only jump on the counter, but I'm gonna jump over the counter and get behind the counter. That's the one where I smacked my knee on the thing and I thought I broke my kneecap trying to get over the counter because the counters were so high.
0: Tony didn't love the idea of trusting someone else not to talk. But he figured it would be a way to substantially increase his takeaway. Well, the goal was to try to get into the the backup cash because they have all their
2: till drawers, but they also usually have another, like, a, a backup cash
0: cabinet or drawer, if you will. Tony and his partner did come away with more money than he usually got by himself, by a few thousand dollars.
2: But, of course, I had to split it, so at the end of the day. Plus, people just don't have the patience that I do. You know, I'll spend eight hours or whatever it takes and... When I've tried doing it with other people, they're already bitching and whining after one hour, you know? like, Are we going to do this? Let's get this done. I'm like, well, no, nah, this might take all day. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's going to get done when I'm comfortable because I'm the one that's going in the bank, <laughs> right? So, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, uh, it was better for me just to to work alone. I mean, I was doing pretty well as long as I stuck to what my plan was.
0: Despite the little permutations Tony made to his formula, he wanted to keep one thing constant, no weapons. He didn't want to hurt people. But he did need to scare them. He needed to be loud, to seem dangerous. For this to work, he had to intimidate.
1: 911, what are you reporting? Robbery in progress. 828 Northeast North Gateway, Sterling Bay? Yep, he's leaving right now. Does he have a, does he have a gun? Yeah, uh, yeah he's got a gun to tell her. Okay, does he uh, take any tags? What? Did you take any any tracking devices?
0: This is the nine one one call from a robbery Tony committed at the end of two thousand thirteen. The teller you hear is Krista Kemp. We found Krista and called her up last year.
1: You really don't know how you're going to react in a situation until it happens, and so the only reason why I was able to remain calm, and be focused is because I had gone through two bank robberies before that.
0: Remember how the teller Tony robbed in episode one had been robbed before? Well, that happened to Krista, too. The first two times Krista was robbed, it wasn't Tony. But the experience did scare the shit out of her.
1: I think, you know, people need to be more aware of the aftershock and adrenaline that comes after being robbed. Uh, Your anxiety is really high. And at least what I was told um, after I was robbed the first time is you're actually not supposed to be driving for the, I think for 72 hours because you'll be more likely to get into an accident. You kind of go through stages of anger and grief. and, And so for me, I was angry. For a very long time, I felt violated, and I felt, you know, because you can't really, you know, defend yourself because you're at a bank, and so they tell you don't be a hero. But I had dreams about um, finding the guy and punching him in the face.
0: This time, when Tony robbed her, it was the day after her birthday, which is why she'll never forget the date.
1: Yeah, it was December 4th, um, 2013.
0: And what are you you thinking in
1: that moment? Um, It's just, you know, kind of scary because at the time we had um, two newer people that were working for us. And um, I just, obviously I wanted to help them and protect them because it's a scary thing to go through.
0: Krista watched for the third time in her life as someone came charging into a bank to steal money. She knew it was happening as soon as he pulled down his mask. Tony sometimes pretended to carry a gun, remember? And Krista, understandably, thought it was a real one.
1: Adrenaline can be a funny thing. I, sh- I shouted, oh shit.
0: But Tony didn't come to her drawer. He beelined for a coworker. Krista pressed the alarm button.
1: He walked up to our teller and demanded cash. I mean, his back was at that time turned to me, but I was already on the phone with the police telling them that there was a uh, robbery in progress. 911. what are you reporting? Robbery in progress.
0: Soon after this robbery, Krista was promoted to a management role and was relieved to no longer be working directly with customers. She's still dealing with the effects of being robbed.
1: Yeah, I ultimately despise all bank robbers um, just because, you know, the repercussions of trauma that someone has to deal with can take years or affect someone their whole entire life. My anxiety is higher because of it, that's for sure.
0: Tony didn't notice then what damage he was leaving in his wake. He just kept barreling forward. Rob, fix up, repeat. Here are the towns Everett, Mill Creek, Everett, Bothell, Everett, Shoreline. For 52 weeks straight, he was relentless. Shoreline, Bothell, Everett, Marysville, Mukilteo, Linwood, Seattle. With one exception. In the spring, after robbing seven banks, Tony took a two-month sabbatical. He got back to work in July, robbing his eighth bank and hitting it big. He got $6,400, about 3000 more than his previous robbery. He decided to treat himself and his mom with a trip to the casino.
2: I think on that one night, we were... I mean, I, we hit so many jackpots, it was just ridiculous. I think we hit one that was like 2800 bucks or something, and when you hit a jackpot, you have to wait for the tenant to come around to get your ID, and then they have to go get the tax forms and all that, and I went over to another machine and started playing while we were waiting, and I hit another jackpot on that machine, and it was just it was just one of those days. I mean, we were just killing it. <laughs> That doesn't happen very often, though. Let's be clear about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, no,
2: there's a reason that people people keep op- opening casinos. They don't lose money. They're definitely
0: not losing money. In total, Tony and his mom won almost $10,000, way more than he was getting as a bank robber. But rather than stop when the going was good, he pressed his luck. He robbed a bank nearly every week for the rest of the year. The way I was doing
2: it, it would have taken a... Uh, it would have just, I don't know, something extraordinary would have had to have happened for me to actually get caught. It would have had to have been some really bad luck. Like I go into the bank and instantly a cop pulls in right. to go cash his check. I mean, it would, it, something like that would have had to have happened.
0: Or, you know, Tony could make a mistake. Because as the streak went on, his confidence grew, but so did his addiction. Untreated addiction is not a plateau. It's a treacherous incline. The gravity in that place gets heavier as you go on. The longer you use, the more you need. And the more you need, the more pressure you feel to stem that tide. And this addiction was starting to seriously impair Tony's judgment. By early February of 2014, Tony was coming up on the one-year anniversary of his solo robbery spree. Just another day at the office. It was a Tuesday. And Tony's target was a chase bank in a shopping plaza in Linwood. He'd been there a month before, and it had gone well.
2: Because I was gonna hit it for a second time, that was my plan going into the day.
0: He cased it for hours and hours.
2: I mean, as the day went on, I just couldn't, people just kept going in there. Every time I would pull around and park and then walk up to the bank, there's a new car out in front of it that wasn't there when I, you know what I'm saying? So it was just, it just wasn't coming together. And, I, and this is another situation where I'm getting dope sick, I'm out of money,
0: and I've borrowed somebody's vehicle, which is what I always did, right? That vehicle he was stressed about, he hadn't borrowed it from some random acquaintance, like he usually did. That
2: was my little sister's minivan that I borrowed that night.
0: It wasn't the first time he'd borrowed his sister's van, either. He'd borrowed it a few times, without ever letting on what he was up to.
2: I have all kinds of excuses for why I'm— I mean, I was making up all kinds of shit. Like what? Oh, I got a job to go do an estimate on. Somebody wants me to do a remodel on their bathroom or something.
0: He had to get the van back to his sister soon, and this Chase Bank plan wasn't panning out. He needed a plan B.
2: And then I realized, well, wait a minute. I know that the U.S. bank inside this Fred Myers is open till like 7 o'clock at night. I I had to at least go
0: check it out. Across the parking lot was a Fred Meyer, a West Coast chain that's a one-stop shop for groceries, home goods, garden stuff, and banking. A little after 5 p.m., Tony went into the store to scout out the situation. He walked in like any other customer, but with his hood up and his head down. It was February, so wearing a hoodie with the hood up wasn't that weird.
2: So I'm, I'm down looking at my phone, and I'm also kind of trying to get a sense of my surroundings, and there are people everywhere. I mean, this, this store is always packed.
0: <laughs> to set the scene, the bank branch was inside to the left of the entrance, separated from the fruits and vegetables by all the checkout aisles.
2: It's kind of a small bank. They only have like three or four teller booths, but it was kind of busy. My plan was I'm gonna walk by the bank and just walk down there. I'll act like I'm going in to use the bathroom, and if it looks good, then I'll rob it on my way back.
0: No one would look out of place for walking directly in past the bank and into the bathrooms.
2: So when I walked by, there was people in there. I mean, too many people, right? So I went down to the bathroom and went into one of the stalls and sat in there for like 10 minutes, just kind of stressing out. And then I'm like, okay, it's, it's go or no go right now. And um, I walked back out, same situation, I got my hoodie on. I'm looking at my cell phone, and I made the decision right there. I pulled my mask down over my face and walked in and, you know, approached the teller.
0: Tony yelled, give me your money. Hurry. Give me your hundreds. And it was a gentleman. I think he
2: was scared shitless, I'm pretty sure, because he opened that drawer so fast and gave me 3000 something dollars I think, in, in a matter of seconds. And, uh, I, you know, I put the money in my hoodie. I pulled my mask down around my neck. And then I just walked right out of the store.
0: He went straight to the minivan that he'd borrowed from his sister, which on this day happened to be an especially bad choice because she worked at Fred Meyer, that Fred Meyer, the one with the bank he had just robbed.
2: They weren't on shift during the robbery, but they did, both of my sisters used to work here at this time. And to be clear, they didn't know I was doing this. Right? So, like, they're not complicit in this in any way.
0: This is a pretty good example of what dope sickness can do to your judgment. When the drive for a fix overpowers almost every other impulse and instinct, it causes a very methodical bank robber who eliminated almost all mistakes from his process to use his sister's minivan to rob a bank at her workplace. And at the time, Tony thought it went great. I mean, it was just a piece of cake.
2: I didn't have any problems. There was no resistance or anything. And I looked behind me to make sure nobody was following me because there were so many people in the store, right? And I didn't see anybody.
0: It seemed, once again, that Tony was in the clear, that he'd just keep eluding his pursuers, Len Carver and the task force.
3: He just always slipped away. And to not be able to find anything that would point us in the direction of his identity or whereabouts Embarrassing probably isn't as good of a word as it is frustrating. Thing is,
0: no one is perfect forever. Luck has a tendency to run out eventually.
3: I can't tell you how many times I saw him drive by. I'm like, oh my gosh! And then you know, and then the surveillance car. Bzz, bzz. And then he'd write back southbound again, and then back northbound again, and then southbound again. I'm like, I think we can just set up and he'll come to us. That's next week on Hooked.
0: Hooked is an Apple original podcast produced by Campsite Media. The executive producers are Mark McAdam and me, Josh Dean. Our producer is Elizabeth Van Brocklin. Our story editor is Michelle Lands, And Sierra Franco is the associate producer. Fact checking on this episode by Will Peichel. Additional reporting and research by Callie Hitchcock. Field producing on this episode by Bethany Denton and Kyle Norris. Original music by Mark McAdam and Doug Slaywin. Editorial support from Doug Slaywin, Aaliyah Papes, and Allison Haney. The executive producers at Campside Media are Vanessa Grigoriadis, Adam Hoff, Matt Scher, and me, Josh Dean. If you're enjoying Hooked, please rate and review it on the Apple Podcast app. It really does help other people find the show and we appreciate your support. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.